1: anagram adoring audio absorbing awesome audience welcome to good job brain your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast this is episode 35 and of course i'm your humble host karen and along with me are our bevy of brainy but bumbling beauties and bros nice
2: thanks (laughs) i'm colin i'm dana i'm chris uh, well, I have a little bit of uh, weird news that oh, yeah. I that I came across this week, and I felt this was absolutely something you guys needed to hear as well. Okay. Uh, so I'm just going to read the headline of one of a sample of articles all around the same topic. Cash-strapped farmers feed candy to cows. Oh. So yeah. <laughs> this is the result of corn becoming so expensive Mm. now that farmers, dairy farmers and cow farmers, it has become pricing out of them to give the cows uh, as high a percentage of corn in their diet as they did before. So for beef cows in particular, uh, they need to have a high sugar diet. It it fattens them up. They need the energy. It's not so much the nutritional value of of the candy that they're worried about. So what farmers have started doing is buying secondhand and leftover broken candy, things like that, from candy companies. Companies and are mixing it in with the feed that they give to the cows because it's cheaper than buying corn. Uh-huh. The cows are literally eating candy corns and Tootsie Rolls and crushed up mm. candy canes and things like that. It's insane. Oh man, I wonder if they enjoy it more. Yeah, so it says like five to eight percent of the cattle's total feed can be up to just this secondhand candy basically
1: they must be really excited in the next couple weeks because it's gonna be after halloween and all the candy is gonna be marked
2: down yeah exactly oh man
1: all right and it's time for our general trivia segment pop quiz hot shot and here i have i'm gonna mash up two trivial pursuit cards uh random ones here okay get your buzzers ready and here we go first question blue wedge geography what award ceremony is held each December at Oslo City Hall in Norway?
3: Chris, the Nobel Prize ceremony awards
1: specifically
3: Nobel Peace no- Prize. Prize. Yes, oh, okay.
1: Nobel Peace Prize. The other prizes are awarded in
2: February, I think. Right in Stockholm. Oh, oh, sorry. And not in, <laughs> in another
4: place.
1: <laughs> and pop culture, pink wedge in Superman Three. What structure does Superman straighten after being exposed to red kryptonite?
3: The Leaning Tower of Pizza.
1: (laughs) It is a Leaning Tower of Pizza. Yellow Wedge. On what show did Brad Pitt appear in a monkey suit? And this is multiple choice. Fear Factor, Jackass, or Punked?
3: I'll say jackass. Yes, yeah. it okay. is jackass. All right. Because I, w- I wouldn't be afraid of Brad Pitt in a monkey suit.
1: Purple Wedge. What is the only one word anagram for the word Monday? Let's see if Dana, the anagram queen, Uh-oh. can solve this one.
3: The only one word anagram for the word Monday. Yes,
1: the word Monday only has one anagram. Oh, damn.
3: <laughs> um, oh <my> <laughs> on, on to me? it is hold on wait cheating
4: yeah no only in your brain well
3: okay. only my brain
4: <laughs> it
3: is. Oh, Nom it's a uh, nomaddy i've been like a nomad
1: <laughs> yeah. no it is Dynamo. Ah, uh, oh, okay. good one. Dynamo.
4: Cool.
3: Good one. That'd be that tough is... to do in a game of Trivial Pursuit. I
1: know it is. Green wedge for science. What common household appliance contains a magnetron, a part that was originally created for military radar?
2: <laughs> the microwave oven.
1: Correct. The microwave. Hmm. Orange wedge. Very topical. Necco wafers. That's N-E-C-C-O. Mm-hmm. Necco sweethearts and nickel squirrel nut zippers. Mm-hmm. What does Necco stand for? Which is a candy company. <laughs>
2: Is the New England Candy and Confectionery Company? I might have swapped the C's.
1: It is close. It is New England Confectionery Company.
3: Ah, uh, oh, okay, got so it. So next Just co-, co, yeah. Yep.
1: Which, relatedly, that question and what you shared earlier, we've Colin. been dancing
3: around it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Okay. And
1: and of course, this week being uh, the week of Halloween, this week's topic is on candy. Candy. Hey. candy.
3: <laughs> Rock that candy shop. Rock that candy shop. Rock that candy shop, set it on fire,
4: run away, watch it burn, smell the
3: ashes in the eye of this. So, Silica immediately, my mind went to, what was my favorite, favorite candy to, to eat all year round, and of course... Uh, it was Cadbury cream eggs.
1: Oh, all year round. All year well, round.
3: I mean, I, well, I mean, I'm just saying I, I can't imagine any other candy at any other time of year that I enjoy eating more. Easter time for me was always wonderful because Cadbury cream eggs, I've always loved to eat these things. And you
1: know what's really awesome about Halloween is they also have, they have the Cadbury cream eggs, but they're called Cadbury scream eggs. Interesting. And the goop is green. Hmm. So it's like gross and ick factor or whatever.
3: They're They're only available for a certain period of time. Time. Does anybody want to go ahead and guess, or does anybody know the exact dates Ooh. on which Cadbury cream eggs are available in stores? Oh, official? Okay, There's exactly. the official there date range? Yep. Hmm. I don't right. even
1: know
2: when Easter is. Well, I know, yeah, so I mean, Easter's one of those that fluctuates. I'm going to guess March 15th to April
3: 15th. So you're actually, you're... you're February 15th. You're getting around there. <laughs> they start selling them on January first, and ah. the last day that they are on shelves is Easter Day, ah. whenever whenever Easter is that year. January. The day 1st. after that, they stop supplying stores with them. The stores typically clear them out, and they're and they're gone.
2: And they're off to uh, beef, cows, beef cows. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Cows, right. So you can have
3: delicious Cadbury cream steak. Huh, um, okay. If you don't know, a Cadbury cream egg is a hollow chocolate egg filled with fondant. Is what it technically is. It's like (laughs) the white and yolk of an egg and it is runny and messy and delicious. Cadbury's has actually experimented with selling the cream eggs all year round but what they've actually found is that the limited availability makes people buy Mm -hmm. more of them.
2: It makes it more special too.
3: With that limited availability window, they actually sell as many Cadbury cream eggs as they do some of their other major chocolate bars that they sell all year year round. round. I found I found out during this research that in the UK there's a bar called the Cadbury Cream Egg Twisted, which is actually a chocolate bar. Looks like a, like a Twix, basically. But the inside is the Cadbury Cream Egg oh, filling. it's uh, yeah. too
2: much. <laughs> that's, that's, taking the, that's taking it too far.
1: Because you know what? The, the beauty of the geometry of the egg is like when you bite it in half, you have two bowls. You have, like, a little bowl for all the goose.
3: It's funny you should talk about how much is too much, because around it was around 2006 that people started to notice something, or they thought they were noticing something. They were getting fat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was Cadbury's explanation. But what people started to notice was that they believed that Cadbury cream eggs in the United States had actually gotten smaller. But you can't really tell because, you know, they had not been on sale for eight months. (laughs) So you only buy them, and you're like, oh, yeah, Cadbury cream eggs. Wait a minute, is this a little smaller You're than just it getting was? getting bigger. So here's the thing, if you went to Cadbury's website at this time, around 2006-2007, they had a fact on their website, and the last question was, Q, have Cadbury's cream eggs gotten smaller? A, no. You're just grown up now.
1: (laughs) Oh, dang.
3: So here's the thing.
1: (laughs) Sassy pants. The
3: eggs had gotten smaller. And the reason why, as Colin suggested, is that there are people who hoard Cadbury cream eggs. And one of them turned out to be, this is a sort of very famous thing that happened about five years ago, actor B.J. Novak from The Office went on Conan O'Brien and he was actually a a aficionado and hoarder of Cadbury cream eggs, (laughs) uh, he revealed on Conan O'Brien. And he pulls out a 2005 Cadbury Pre-Mag that he had had in his freezer it's in a with a 2007. Case. <laughs> yeah, no, he just he just kept them all year and put them in his freezer, and he pulls out the 2007 and it was smaller, and they had actually taken it down a few grams and reduced it from like 180 calories to 150 or something around there. And yeah, and then Cadbury did, in fact, change their website. So,
2: like, <laughs> they were outed. We no, it, it
3: was a very PR response that was just like, we make changes to our products based on the desires of consumers, blah, blah, blah.
1: It used to be like all the to size, be the of, an size egg.
3: of an egg, and yeah. now they yeah. are actually smaller than are ah. like Not like quail eggs. But, yeah. but smaller. I like how they're
4: like, no, 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 you're crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> I have to say my favorite part of the marketing is the commercials they have with the rabbit that makes the chicken noises. Right. Yeah, it's a little right, rabbit right, right. going, burk,
4: burk, burk, It yeah. just cracks me it up every It grosses me
2: out.
4: I know yeah. it comes out of rabbits. Like, either baby rabbits or poo. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> no, it's a
2: very I've narrowed it down to two things, guys.
4: <laughs> or pee. There's a little yeah. bit of pee. So which one do you mm-hmm. want to eat for Easter? <laughs> right.
3: But yes, if you uh if you do want to try a Cadbury cream egg, as Karen said, they they are on the shelves now as the Cadbury Cream Egg.
1: And I think one of the reasons why everybody's kind of fascinated by this, because it's a it, it's a novelty, and I think it is kind of wonderful, that's like, oh, it's a chocolate egg, and there's fake yolk and white inside. Right,
3: and the white and the yellow stay separate mm-hmm. inside of the candy.
1: There is something very inventive and kind of, like, fantasy-fulfilling. It's really interesting, and it reminds me what of... What
3: fantasy do you have about, like...
1: Just, like, chocolate version or candy oh. versions of oh, everything. Oh,
3: okay, I see what you're saying.
1: Imagine if everything had a candy form, and I would feel like oh my god like this is a
3: like you're living in harry potter land or in the willy Wonka factory or something exactly you're it's not- just so
1: so wonderful mm. and so wondrous and i remember you know either if you're reading the book charlie and the chocolate factory or the movie willy Wonka and the chocolate factory when you when you see the chocolate room and they have like chocolate flowers and chocolate yeah. river and chocolate trees and so this week i'm going to talk about some of the very interesting and wonderful candies from the book Want to view paradise? Well, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to do, it. You can even eat the dishes. You can take a sunrise,
0: sprinkle it with dew. chocolate
1: So one of the things in the book is what they call the strawberry juice water pistols. Doesn't that sound awesome? I know, it sounds, sounds great. Awesome. It sounds sticky. sticky. I'll be yeah. honest, it sounds, yeah. it
2: sounds sticky is my first thought.
4: <laughs> You'll have like a sticky neck yeah, in it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All I can imagine
2: is having to clean that off. Maybe I'm a <laughs> spoil sport. <laughs>
4: You're
2: an old Every man. party
4: has a pooper. Called. Yeah, we <laughs> <laughs> are the party pooper.
1: And another really weird one in the book is called The Magic Hand Fudge.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I think the less said about that, the better. (laughs) Moving on.
1: Wait, it has a tagline. I need to share. I need to give you guys the tagline. That's chapter
3: 37 of Fifty Shades of Grey.
1: (laughs) The tagline is. When you hold it in your hand, you taste it in your mouth. Mm. <laughs> Another one is fizzy lemonade swimming pools. Thirsty in the pool? You drink it. Oh, I remember that.
2: I do remember that. <laughs> I-
1: These all sound like Urban Dictionary.
0: Oh no!
1: It's not until I'm reading them out loud that I'm realizing this. The color would be a little bit weird. Yeah. Swimming in
3: a. Right. Yeah. And we. Not sure. it's Lemonade. Yeah. Move on. Now of these. (laughs) Magical hand fudge. Is scientifically there are certain um, this is serious. There are certain like creams and things like that that are you know used to treat injuries. That when you put it on, you can taste it in that's your true. mouth. That's true. That's right. Really? or it
2: triggers like a metallic taste. Or yeah, like that. that's yeah, true. Yeah, that yeah. is true. Yep.
1: Maybe they got to figure out the name first.
3: <laughs> right. Magic well, they have to make punch. it taste like chocolate.
1: <laughs> and this one is uh, a little bit of a nightmare town. It's called square candies that look round. I don't know if you guys remember that part in the book so he introduces Mm -hmm. these which are officially called square candies that look round Wonka was like oh these are really cool but all the kids are thinking to themselves they're like wait a minute these actually are square shaped why are they round and it's square candies that look apostrophe round like look around because these candies have eyes on them they look around i thought it was going to be like it a was a more
3: innocent time it
1: was when i was looking these up i was like well these sound so fun i'm going to share when them with them the, oh, everybody yeah, then you start and then i read out it out
3: loud well, like well
2: believe it or not i actually have a transition from hand fudge <laughs> cool. so uh, that reminded me <laughs> of one of the I
1: don't want to
2: know. most famous <laughs> successful advertising <laughs> slogans of all time uh-huh. melts in your mouth oh. but not in your hand oh, oh
1: that is good yes. Yes. Hey. and it is
2: of course as we all know M&M's chocolate candies they melt in your mouth not in your hands alluding to the fact that they have the hard candy shell which keeps them from getting all over the place in fact that actually is what made them so successful in the first place so we'll go back a little bit I really wanted to focus on the details of M&M's do you guys know what the M&M in M&M's stand for
4: Mars Mars, Mars is Murray?
2: one of them. Mars and Murray. Whoa, Chris, absolutely yeah. right, yes. Who's Murray? So, uh, He's a guy with... who got
3: cut out of the deal like <laughs> Robuck.
2: <laughs> you don't need to cry for Bruce Murray. So the first M was Forrest Mars Sr., as in Mars Candy Company. And Bruce Murray was actually the son of the president of Hershey's at the time that they were invented. He took a fairly sizable stake in the original M&M's operation in large part because at the time uh, chocolate was pretty heavily rationed, so this was 1941, and at that time, Hershey's had a near monopoly on chocolate production, and it was so heavily rationed that having uh, Bruce Murray meant that they could get their hands on chocolate. So the story goes that Forrest Mars was inspired to make M&Ms by seeing some Spanish soldiers during the Spanish Civil War eating little chocolate candies that had a hard shell, mm-hmm. and he was, in fact, particularly impressed by the fact that they weren't melting. And he's like, he thought this was actually a perfect little candy. It's
3: not inspiration. Yeah, it's like copy. Yeah, good. yeah
2: good
1: old plagiarism. Well, you know, I
2: mean, this is the 30s. You could get away with things like that. But anyway, so he came back to the States and basically decided, I'm going to copy this and come up with my own uh, process. So he did. He has a patent for the process of coating the chocolate and the candies. Mm-hmm. They were uh, exclusively under contract to the military. So M&M's really, uh, before they became a, a civilian product, uh, soldiers serving overseas got to know them as part of their little ration kits. And the military loved them because they didn't melt. They could send them tropical, mm-hmm. And them freezing they get, and they survived all kinds of weather conditions in terms of marketing as well because you have these soldiers coming home and then when you start marketing them as a product they already were them that's right they had mm-hmm. already been given them for free everyone loved them so obviously the war ended became a huge hit and what I didn't know until I started researching this was they didn't have the M's on them in the very beginning.
1: What were they called then?
2: They were called M&M's. Oh, okay. And they were called M&M candies after, you know, Mars and Murray, but they weren't branded as such. They realized, well, this is a pretty popular thing. We got to start branding this yeah. <laughs> so some unscrupulous doesn't, inventor doesn't steal my idea the way I stole it, I, guess, I suppose, yeah. is the subtext. In 1950 was the first year they started stamping M's on mm-hmm. the little candies, and they were black at first. Little black M's. They are actually mechanically stamped on mm-hmm. the huh. on each individual candy. I mean, not one at a time, the yeah. many at a time. But so it has like a little uh, ink pad that stamps onto the ink and then stamps onto the candy. And it actually is pretty amazing. They said that like one of the hardest parts was getting it so it didn't crush the candies. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. 1954 was a big year for the m M&M m Corporation. That was the year they introduced. Peanut M and M's. That was the year they introduced the tagline: "The milk chocolate melts in your mouth, not in your hand." And most importantly, for the purposes of this segment, that was the year they changed the M to white.
1: Oh, dang!
2: So all of this happened the same year. <laughs> so yeah. So since 1954, that's been the story behind the M's. They switched to white now. This is for the super, super nerdy typographs out there. So I am a big font nerd. Probably some other listeners out there. Karen's yeah. nodding her head as well. The M&M font, I set out to try and figure out what it was, and I, apparently I'm not the first person to try and track it down. The consensus seems to be that the M's in m M&M... m Can I guess? Yeah, oh please, Karen, take a guess. Courier New. Not Courier. It is a, a slab serif font. Okay. It is Aachen, A-A-C-H-E-N, particularly Aachen semi-bold. And the ampersand and the S appear to be ITC Lubelin Graph, wow. which is one of my particular favorite fonts. Wow. But they have been tweaked a little bit. So yeah, if you need to reproduce the official M&M's fonts, there for, you go. For your yeah.
1: M&M counterfeit for your business. giant For right. your
2: giant homemade M&M <laughs> costume. There you go, guys. A little uh, primer on the M, on wow. M&M's. Cool. And of course, I will make the dad joke. Is, oh, someone slipped me uh, some W's in here. <laughs> yeah yeah i saw online of course in the course of researching uh, a math nerd is oh i got a bunch of sigmas in mine oh
4: my god yes yes all right that was really interesting learning about m&ms and the history of m&ms so i made a quiz about historical candies it's called the candy formerly known as Oh. oh
2: nice
4: <laughs> tell you like the the name that we don't know, we might not know oh, in, okay. in the All States, right. and then you tell me what name you think oh, okay. it right. is. This chocolate caramel cookie bar was known as Raider throughout most of Europe and changed its name in 1991 to match the international brand name.
3: <laughs> Chris. Twix? Yes. Mm-hmm.
4: This candy bar was sold under the brand name Marathon in the UK and Ireland until
3: 1990.
1: Oops! Oh, 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 oh. Did I get it? Yeah, Karen, it's Snickers. Yes. Mm. Which is interesting. In the states, they're bringing it back, the Marathon brand name, but they're making it into an energy bar, uh, like mm-hmm. a nutritional energy workout bar
4: mm. with the same kind of components as a Snicker. In 1939, this malted milk candy was originally called Giants. <laughs>
2: Is it Whoppers?
4: Yes. And I was like, oh, they both kind of mean big, right? Giants and Whoppers. This candy from Germany was originally known as the dancing bear. (laughs) (laughs) Gummy bears. This traditional sugar confectionery gets its name from British slang for the word mouth.
3: (laughs) Uh, Gobstopper. Yeah. We know them
4: as jawbreakers Mm. in the US and Canada. This fruity hard candy was originally sold at ranch made ice cream stores.
2: Jolly Rancher? Yeah. Oh. I'd always wondered what the ranch name was, yeah.
1: Do you guys know what a tree's favorite candy is? Peppermint bark.
2: Jolly branchers. Yeah, Jolly Branchers. Oh, my-
4: <laughs> 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 These conversation candies were created in 1866 and used in weddings, and they often had witty sayings pressed onto them, such as Married and White, you've chosen right. And married in satin, love will not be lasting.
3: Are they called conversation hearts or, or sweethearts? Sweethearts. 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 Oh, sweethearts.
1: Okay. actually officially called sweethearts. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay.
4: This candy got its name from the German word for peppermint. Pez. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. For, do you know what the German word is? Fezerminz. Yeah. Fefferminz. Fefferminz. <laughs> This candy invented in 1925 was originally called the Papa Sucker. Oh. <laughs> oh, Sugar Daddy. My. Yes. Oh. Oh I laughed for so long. Oh, God. I was like, yeah. oh, Guys, going we got place. to send this
2: back to brainstorming round two. <laughs>
4: The name of this candy comes from the Spanish word chupar, which means to suck.
1: (laughs) Oh!
2: Those are uh, chupa chups. Yes. Lollipops.
4: And uh, Dali did the wrapper. Yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. Originally known as chocolate beans in 1882, these candies were renamed in 1937 and renamed again in 1977 due to trading standards requirements because the use of the word beans was felt to be misleading because
2: they were chocolate. Oh. They were hey, called chocolate beans? They
4: were called chocolate beans. Is it... I would say M&M's,
3: but... Say... Uh, uh, Goobers or raisinettes? Nope. Hmm. Oh, um, I mean, it's not Hershey's Kisses.
1: Nope. Is it M&M's?
3: No, No. we talked about
1: that. What are they? Hold on, no, no, no. It's not the
3: Boston baked beans. Those aren't
2: chocolate. Chocolate Mm
1: -hmm. Chocolate beans. It was
2: renamed in the 30s and 70s.
1: Smarties? Yeah. Smarties.
4: I am one. I did not know that. They were called Smarties chocolate beans and then just Smarties. Yeah. Cool. Good job, you guys. Yeah. All right.
3: Completely coincidentally, I had actually done some research on gobstoppers, mm-hmm. aka jawbreakers. Yes, random, fake candy in the Willy Wonka books uh, but the most famous one uh, which was also in the movie and in the book was the everlasting gobstopper yep. mm-hmm. and as we now know a gobstopper now this this actually kind of threw me for a loop because I was looking up Wonka candy and found that there was actually something called a gobstopper and I was right. like wait a minute oh this is a real thing oh, oh before okay. the, the book or
1: the story yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
3: I mean that's mm-hmm. it's an actual Cause candy because the, the
2: magical part was the everlasting part
3: right oh, right right but in the US we don't have the word gobstopper so it was just sort of like oh Oh, that also sounds fanciful and ridiculous. It, uh, it well, does. I, I remember it does. some
2: grown up at the time explaining to
3: me what it meant. Right, it. that it was in fact a jawbreaker, right. and it means it means the exact same thing. Either you break your jaw because you try to bite it because it's so hard, or it, it stops your gob or your mouth because yeah. you you can't bite down on it. And so I decided to find out some things about jawbreakers, and they're actually really, really fascinating candies. Very, very simple, but. Utterly fascinating. So, Willy Wonka's version, of course, would never run out. It was everlasting. You could. This you could, is,
1: like, for poor kids.
3: No, for children with very little pocket money. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> poor kids. You could uh, have it in your mouth forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and it would never get any smaller. That is why kids would buy Jawbreakers, because they would last a really long time. They would make some that would actually last, like, days.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right.
3: One of the reasons why this is true, it's not just because it's just a giant, solid ball of pure sugar. Sugar, it's because of the the process that they use to make it. And you're not like just pressing sugar together into a ball. Like you have a big rotating pan. It's it's like making a pearl. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's like, like, and
2: it's like constantly rotating. Yeah, right? so yeah. A
3: pan that just goes around and around and around. And you dump in grains of sugar, and then just like snowball you ah. ladle liquid sugar into them, and it coats the and it coats the grain of sugar, and then more liquid sugar, and it coats it again, and it coats it again, and it coats it again. It can take weeks to really mm-hmm. to make them in the classic way because wow. it's just
2: tiny layer after tiny layer
3: right yep. and then tiny layer becomes tiny layer becomes tiny layer becomes tiny layer, and then and you get a actual like large golf ball size jawbreaker but really the the making of a jawbreaker is like the making of a pearl just like the constant yeah. you know rotation of one grain of sugar what happens then is if you if the sugar that you're ladling in there the liquid sugar is different colors you get this rainbow effect yeah. of the jawbreaker. So if you were to slice it in half, you'd see all the concentric mm. rings of sugar. And I did. Or, I did and you that did? as a kid. Yeah. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, my. I mean, because it was. It How was... did you
1: even break it in half?
2: Well, sometimes you just throw yeah, it right. down or break it, or we would literally yeah. get, get our hands on a hacksaw and cut yeah, through if them. It 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 the yeah. yeah, you threw it on the ground or something,
3: you could smash it. You're very it, scientific
2: right? kid.
3: <laughs> you can't get impatient and just bite through them. Like, that's why they lasted all that time. You couldn't just go, oh, you know, whatever and just bite it. You can't. You have to just keep working at it with just your saliva basically. And, and and it would change color. At the end of the day, just put it on their bedside table and then put it back in because like... Well, and periodically you need to y- take yeah. it out of
2: your mouth to check what color it's at. Of course. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. So it would just be endless entertainment and of course because it was made out of sugar and nothing else they were cheap. But... Big but, there's something very interesting about the way that these things are made, uh, which gives them very interesting properties. In 2003, there's a police report about this you can find on the smoking gun, right? They have the, the original document. A nine-year-old girl had a jawbreaker. She left it on a, a table, apparently, sitting in the sun for a few hours and then went back to get it. Grabbed it and was going to put it into her mouth. And as she was doing that, squeezing the jawbreaker, it exploded. (gasps) It exploded and melted candy. Came out of the jawbreaker and got into her face and like severely burned her face. Not, oh I don't goodness. think it disfigured oh! her, but you know, got bad burns on her face. Uh-oh. Didn't really understand why this would happen. You know, they're thinking like, oh my god, is it like what's what's in these jawbreakers? Right. You know, as it, but it's not really the it, chemical. It wasn't a chemical in the jawbreakers. It was just just a ball of sugar, as it turns out. Mythbusters ended up doing an episode on this because there was this sort of urban myth that if you heat a jawbreaker, a jawbreaker could explode. And it's like, well, why would it explode?
2: Yeah, why wouldn't it just why melt? Why would it just or- melt? Yeah, yeah.
3: Exactly. What Mythbusters found out was that the many, 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 many tiny layers of sugar What it causes is they set a a temperature differential. So if it heats up, the inner layers can actually heat more Mm. than the outer layers or heat up faster because of the way that it's structured. Mm -hmm. And what you then get is a piece of candy that you can pick up because it maybe is just slightly warm to the touch. And the outer layer is cool fast. The outer layer is cooled down, right? And so you pick it up and it's cool. But then what you have is you have a ball of hot, molten, 225 degree sugar that can explode Right, in And your as mouth. things heat up,
2: pressure increases as well, so... Yep,
3: yep. They tried this on Mythbusters, and one of the hosts actually burned himself, because they heated up a jawbreaker in the microwave, and you can do this, and you shouldn't, but you, <laughs> but you can... Please don't. ...heat up a jawbreaker in the in the microwave, and then put it in a vice or something like that, wearing, you know, proper safety protection, whatever, you give it a little squeeze, and just lava will just start oh pouring God, out of this thing.
1: Candy grenade. Yeah. (laughs) So
3: I know kids listen to this show. So be careful with those jawbreakers. Make sure you don't leave them in the sun. Yeah. Or on a radiator. radiator. Do not put them in the microwave to see if they'll melt, and then take them out of the microwave and go. Oh no, it didn't melt.
2: Oh man. Wow. Well, that's a good public service announcement right there. Right. You talk about the jawbreakers, and the whole point of the candy is, you know, prolonging it because you can't take the shortcut, as you say. That's right. So I want to talk a little bit about one of my favorite candies, which part of the whole brilliant marketing is that you cannot resist taking the shortcut. <laughs> So listeners, arrayed on the table in front of me here are several Tootsie roll Pops. Hmm. One of their classic advertising campaigns is how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie roll Center of a Tootsie roll pop? And the joke, of course, is always no one knows because you can't you bail out and you just yeah. bite through to the center, yeah. I was always that like way as a kid too. Out. Yeah, you're like, ah, I oh, forget it. I'm done with you this. Get so
3: close you can see it. Yeah. You know, like, ah, yeah, it's, like, it's oh, tantalizing. I just, yeah. yeah.
2: So their slogan is the world may never know. And of course this was deeply unsatisfying to me as a child. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Well, what do you mean the world may never know? What kinda of cop out is yeah. that? Um, so, so every Colin. kid sits there and, and
3: takes that as gospel and be like, I'm gonna be the first to discover this. That's right. Yeah. And
2: and we did. I remember like at, at summer camp and it was so great because then we would run our own little exceedingly unscientific experiments. <laughs> well, so let's just go back a little bit to uh, where they came from. Obviously, Tootsie Roll came first. The story goes that it came out of a, essentially a brainstorming meeting at the Tootsie Roll candy company where they were expressly trying to come up with, all right, we need a new candy, new hit. And I don't know how accurate this is, but they do say that the story came from uh, one of the employees and who says that he was eating a Tootsie Roll at the time that his daughter shared a lick of her lollipop with him Mm. and that he thought it was such a great taste combination. We should bring it to the company and they took off. They were a hit. It wasn't until the seventies that this, how many licks does it take to get to the center? That was one of the sort of the things that really cemented Tootsie Roll Pops. And the other thing was their prevalence on Kojak, you know, which was the Uh cop show in the 70s with Telly Savalas. And he would famously uh, have the little Tootsie Roll Pops instead of cigarettes. That was his substitute for cigarettes. I didn't know this, but if you write into the Tootsie Roll company and tell them that you know how many licks it Uh takes since 1970 they will send back to you an official clean stick award uh, certificate you know basically rewarding little kids for doing the do the do they still the do
1: now oh.
2: So I have here in front of me the <laughs> official oh certificate that says, Be it known to all people, the world may never know how many licks it takes to reach the center of a Tootsie Pop, but a few strong-willed young men and women know the bearer of this award is one who knows. Uh, now, no! you can actually print out a copy of the PDF yourself on oh, the website. Oh. It oh, cheapens I it a little bit. I did not idea. mail away. But before we went on the air today, I did in fact finish a Tootsie Roll Pop, mm-hmm. and it took me 317 licks to get to the oh, middle and I defined middle as the first bit of Tootsie Roll breaking through. Okay. Yeah, okay. And in case you've never had one of these, it's a chunk of Tootsie Roll candy surrounded by lollipop. That's mm-hmm. the
1: tricky thing because obviously it depends on your eating style or your licking style. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the top, you know, you see the Tootsie Roll emerging on top, but the bottom is still filled with... Well, and it's got and a little, it's got it
2: like a ridge around the edge yeah. too. So it's like, do you do go you with the that? ridge? Yeah, I went for the easiest, the path of least resistance. Okay. Uh, but what is hilarious to me is how many official attempts there have been made to figure out this is how many licks it takes students at purdue university College students built a licking machine. But, That's what uh, I, I but, heard
1: that.
3: Too. Aren't they so busy going to their classes
2: <laughs> and things? Uh, they found that with the licking machine, it was an average of 364 licks. Oh, okay. But they found that people did it uh, on average 252. And now this is where it gets a little bit off the rails to me. Researchers at Cambridge said by their conclusions it was 3,481 licks. What? And I call shenanigans. I no, think they're I, doing it wrong. They, they had a
4: kitten it. licking it. <laughs>
2: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Now we're, we're down to the nitty gritty. When you're talking about licking, is it just one tongue? Lick? Yeah. Or do you put it in your every time you? In, the mouth, budget, in the mouth and out of the mouth. Yeah, yeah,
2: I agree. I agree. And is it one lick up and down? How mm. do you? Why are we having this conversation? Also, <laughs> why? Yeah,
3: it's like uh, the thing with the licks is like you. Do you really eat a lollipop like that? You know, yeah. just put it in your you mouth. It's licks. like no one does that, <laughs> right? Well, I feel so, like
1: that's what the machines probably were doing. So some mm. of the
2: machines hold the lollipop and spin it against an artificial tongue. Some of them hold the lollipop still. They so some Harvard tongue. Harvard grad students have a mechanically rotating tongue that they used in their experiment. Which which, again, was into the thousands. Right, right. There are a couple interesting uh, rumors and urban legends that popped up around uh, Tootsie, Roll, Tootsie Pops as well. And Dana, I think you were alluding to one of these, too. You had said that you used, used to hear when you were a kid.
4: So some of the rappers have stars on them. think I heard that you get a free one if you found a rapper with a star on it. But yeah, I never, you're right. You're I, right. I never, never that. noticed that. So well.
2: there are a couple variations on the rumors. And so if you look at it, if you unwrap a Tootsie Roll Pop, they've got pictures of kids doing various activities. And one of the designs is a kid with a uh, Native American style headdress on shooting a bow and arrow at a star.
1: We're actually and examining Yeah, we the have
2: rappers. one here in front of us, right. So the rumor was that if you got one of the rappers that had the kid shooting the arrow at the star, you could redeem that for a free Tootsie Roll pop. Huh. And another one went that if you could get a wrapper that had three consecutive circle logos, that was also redeemable for a free pop. So apparently this was really widespread all over the country. This was never official. The company never had anything to do with this, but local merchants and retailers would on their own oh. decide to support this cool little legend among kids because Mm -hmm. of course it makes sense they're going to come back to your store of course my first thought was well I would just stand there and unwrap them and then rewrap them but (laughs) again this is something that the company decided to adopt and embrace so if you write into the company you know trying to claim your pop or whatever they will send you uh, since the 80s the Legend of the Indian Rapper, which is a possibly not politically correct name, yeah. but is a little story basically about that this legend cool. as a consolation prize. That is cool. And again, I like when companies will just take on these things that pop up around them and embrace them rather than just—they
4: won't send you the free pop. They, they won't send you a free India. pop. This and, one is so
3: close with the three circles on the wrapper. It's—it's not—it's not quite there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so out of, out real, of the four close. tootsie
2: pops we got in front of us, only one of them it looks like would qualify for the freebie.
3: Oh well, yeah. Yeah, because one has the star on it. Right? That is
1: cool. So very quickly, I want to share my favorite candy, too. And you guys, listeners, and will probably see where this is going, knowing me. Um, so one of my favorite candies is called Gaz. So if you go to some grocery stores, especially Persian food, ethnic food stores, they have it and they're basically nougats with pistachios in them. Probably seen them before. They're white, usually kind of like squares and they're individually wrapped Oh yeah, and you yeah. see kind of studs of pistachios, green pistachios in this white nougat. Yeah, yeah, I've seen those. And it's called gaz and when you eat G-A-Z. it. G-A-Z? Yeah, G-A-Z and it's flavored with rose water and some other spices and it's delicious. Those for are really me, good. Yeah. For me, it's delicious. For some people they say it tastes like soap because of the rose water ah, it's very polarizing <laughs> but that is really my favorite candy and every time i go in the store and i see it by the cash register i will buy a whole bag and i would <laughs> probably eat the whole bag in one sitting so gaz this persian candy dates back to oh man the olden days no one even really knows because yeah, yeah. it is an old type of traditional candy so the name of candy is comes from gas of kunsar hmm. And that's K-H-U-N-S-A-R. And it's a uh, sweet milky sap that they find on plants um, called angibin. And this <laughs> plant is associated with a lot of um, old religious texts. And it's sometimes referred to as manna. Mm. And of course, you know, video gamers and, and religious texts <laughs> <I don't> know <laughs> that uh, strengthen your spirits and you, that kind of connotations. This milky sap, gaz of kunsar, is not really from the plant. It is produced by these little bugs like aphids or or Hmm. nymph bugs, very small. And they produce this type of sap as they're eating this Ah, plant. They live on the plant. Of course, uh, this sticky white substance is exuded from the anus of of these bugs. Uh So what traditional people did was they would collect all of this anal secretions of these bugs and they would mix it with egg whites and rose water and nuts and sugar and they cook it down into like a nougat form so I read this and I was like oh that's great why is everything in my life that I love (laughs) comes from the butts of animals including this thing obviously nowadays if you buy gas it's just made out of basically meringue and sugar the traditional it comes from
3: the anus of artificial bugs yes 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 yes, yes.
1: so it doesn't really have that that real bug kick
3: well I mean unless you buy gas classic
1: (laughs) (laughs) gas throwback <laughs> yeah yep, yep 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 lots of things come out of but. well gross yeah <laughs> cool i figured I'd, I'd end our candy episode with that little fun
0: fact you guys traffic jams tailgating pileups oh the joys of driving how could it get worse the federal government wants to have a say in what you drive that's right Alright, so it's time
1: for our last quiz segment. So this is quite a special quiz segment because Nicole from Kentucky wrote in. She told us that she's a big trivia nerd and so is her boyfriend and his name is Josh. So Nicole and Josh are very, very big trivia people in Kentucky where there isn't a lot of pub trivia and that's why they enjoy our podcast so much. And uh, she wrote in to tell us that their anniversary is on November 1st and thought that maybe it'd be cool if we could dedicate a segment uh, for their anniversary. And Aww. here we are. They're very into comics. So Colin, you prepared a very special comics quiz for all of us and also for the listeners, yeah. but especially for Nicole and Josh.
2: Going out to you guys, Josh. <laughs> all right, uh, comic book quiz, and we're going to do this a little bit differently from a regular quiz. I've given you guys pads here. You're all going to write down your answer, and then we're going to score you guys as we go, and then there'll be a tiebreaker at the end. Oh, wow, so, this is like real pub trivia. I know with comic books, this is always tough of too hard, not hard enough. I think I've tried to get a good balance here of questions for you guys. All right, okay. so remember, don't shout out or buzz in. You're going to write down your answers. Okay. All right, here we go specifically Mm -hmm. what type of radiation was responsible for turning dr bruce banner into the incredible hulk and in the comics they always rendered this type of radiation as green Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right ready answers dana says gamma chris says gamma karen says gamma correct gamma radiation that's right in the batman comics what is the name of Gotham City's Asylum for the Criminally Insane?
1: Naps, <laughs> easy.
2: All right. Karen says Arkham. Dana says Arkham. Chris says Arkham. That is correct. Arkham yeah. Asylum for the Criminally Insane. Thanks, a video games. Frequently home to the Joker. So even if you've never read a single issue of Batman, the name Arkham might sound familiar. So tell me, Arkham is inspired by the works of what 20th century author? And think about the kind of place it is, the atmosphere it has.
1: Oh, my God.
2: All right. Answers up. Dana guessed George Orwell. Not a bad guess. Karen says Edgar Allan Poe. Not a bad guess. But Chris is correct with H.P. Lovecraft. Darn it. Yes.
1: I should have thought... Because the creator... there was a board game called Arkham Ark Horror. Horror. Yes, oh. that's right. Yes.
2: The creator of Cthulhu mythology and all of yes, who, who set a lot of his tales were set in the fictional town of Arkham, Massachusetts.
1: I'm so ashamed of myself. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> in Iron Man's debut appearance in nineteen sixty three, protagonist Tony Stark builds his armored suit while imprisoned in what foreign country? And I'm giving you the year there for a reason. Say the year again. 1963. All right. Answers up. Chris says Vietnam. Dana says Russia. Karen says Iran. Chris is correct. It is Vietnam. Vietnam. Uh, Yes. It was the Vietnam War. He was captured there. They did, in fact, later update it to the Gulf War. And the current story, I think, is Afghanistan, where it Mm -hmm. took place. Over the years, various super-powered animals have made their way into the Superman (laughs) comic storylines. So I'm going to give you guys five super pets. Only one of them is fake. So you need to tell me which one of these is not real. Okay. Crypto the super dog. Mm -hmm. Nova the super bear. Beppo the super monkey. Comet the super horse. And Streaky the super cat. (laughs) (laughs) all right answers up karen says bear dana says streaky super cat chris says nova the super it is nova the super bear is made up i invented that one yes streaky the super cat is real there were just some, <laughs> some really off the wall storylines they had. Uh, and you can do your own Google research on these various animals. You know,
1: and also I was thinking, I was like, well, Superman's like super America and Bear is such a Russian. That's kind of what I was going for. Face. I was
2: trying to mislead you guys. Wow. Mm-hmm. But so he
1: wouldn't have a pet bear because that's un-American at yeah, that time. At well, some point.
2: You guys saw through my ruse. Alright. What mansion would you find at 1407 Gray Greymalkin Lane? in Westchester, New York? 1407, Gray Malkin Lane. All right, answer's up. Karen says Wayne Manor. Chris says Wayne Mansion. (laughs) Dana says X-Men House. Dana is correct. (laughs) I will accept X-Men House. X-Men House. It's uh, the, the, the academy. Because, of course, yes.
3: Wayne, Wayne Manor would be in Gotham City. In Gotham City, City that's right.
2: right. Yeah. I tried to give you the extra little clue there. Yeah, Westchester, maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. might be in the suburbs, Yeah, maybe. he has a house in the hand. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, He's got yeah, a fast yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. Right. But oh, yes, I would have accepted Charles Xavier's house, right. Professor X's Academy for Gifted Youngsters, <laughs> X-Men H-Quarters. Right. Or, yeah. X-Men or in house. this case. X-Men House. Well done, well done.
3: Right. Dean Johnson, the X Men of X Men House, are throwing another party. <laughs> X Men House!
2: X Men House! Wonder Woman famously graced the cover of the first issue of What U.S. Magazine in July 1972. July 1972. First, first issue, July One
3: 1972. US magazine in
2: 1972. Okay. All right. Answers up. Dana says Ms. Magazine. Chris says Ms. Magazine. Karen says TV Guide. It is Ms. Magazine. I've never even yes. heard of that. Gloria <laughs> Steinem's uh, oh. famous feminist iconic magazine. So speaking of magazines, newspapers figure prominently in the storylines of both Spider-Man and Superman, uh, because both Clark Kent and Peter Parker work at newspapers. We're going to start off here. For one point each, can you tell me the names of either or both of the newspapers in the Spider-Man and Superman worlds in Metropolis and New York City? Yes, all three of you have it correct. It is the Daily Planet in Superman and the Daily Bugle in Spider-Man. All right. So now don't get too happy with yourselves because for one extra nerd point each, I need to know who are the editors-in-chief of the two newspapers.
1: J.K. Simmons was the actor in Spider-Man. Yes, Man
2: for- yes, oh. a fantastic performance by J.K. Simmons in the Spider-Man movies. Okay, we'll start with uh, Dana, who has Perry White and Larry oh, Rogers.
3: Oh, <laughs> Perry White!
2: I the two answers are Perry. Oh, and Chris has nothing, and J. Jonah Jameson. Mm-hmm. So yes, J. Jonah Jameson is the Daily Bugle editor in chief. Okay. Perry White Perry is the editor in chief. Okay. Don't call me cheap. Oh. <laughs> and Karen has put Hugh Jass and Hugh. <laughs> (laughs) cares All right, well, coming down to the finish here, it's close. So I will make this last question three points, just to make it uh, anyone's game here. (laughs) Okay. So one thing that a lot of these heroes have in common, Superman and Spider-Man and Wonder Woman and Iron Man, is that they all made their debuts in anthologies. Out of these characters, we've named only Incredible Hulk debuted in his own series. So Superman debuted in Action Comics, number Mm -hmm. one, Mm -hmm. June 1938, which, as I say, was a mix of hero and crime and sort of light comic stories. It was a 64 page anthology. So, including the Superman cover story, how many features were there in Action Comics number one? And this will be closest to gets the answer. Wow. I will even tell you, Superman was 13 pages out of those 64. Hmm. There were some features that were only a page long. Hmm. Alright. And numbers up, Chris. Wait, hold that hold uh, up. okay. Karen, I think, is preparing two answers here. <laughs> She's writing a paragraph about it. Numbers up. Chris says nine. Dana <laughs> says 19. Karen says X-Men House. It is <laughs> X-Men House. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. I think your real answer, though, was the right well, You put oh. ten. You were the closest. Actually, there were eleven. Oh. There were eleven features. So I'm going to give Karen the three points. I right. right. it matters. And I'm throwing all the points away. <laughs> 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 uh, Chris does, in fact, win. For those hey. of you who had money writing on the game. So well done, good job, and I hope that was, that was an course. adequate anniversary present.
1: No Watchmen, no Judge Dredd.
2: <laughs> I, you know, I, no and I, I wanted to keep it for people who may not be comic fans. yeah, you know, could have gone a lot of ways. Good job, guys. Yeah, okay.
1: all right, and that is our show thank you guys for joining me thank you guys listeners for listening in hope you guys learn a lot about candies and well hopefully you guys all have a good halloween Mm -hmm. and uh, you can find us on zoom marketplace on itunes on stitcher and also on our website which is goodjobbrain.com and check out our sponsor bonobos.com and we'll see you guys next week later bye